Welcome back. Today I'm going to be talking about the future of the Democratic Party in part three of my multi-part series covering the future of American politics. I'll be covering emerging leaders in the party during the Biden era and who I think is going to run for president after Joe Biden. We'll be taking a look at those people today, July 2nd, 2021. From Anchor by Spotify, this is the Sean S. Show, a podcast about the interesting and ever-changing world of American politics from the perspective of a 15-year-old, with me, your host, Ishan. Welcome back to the Ishan S. Show. Thank you for coming back to part three of the Future of American Politics, a series' first installment a series in which I take a look at where I think the future of American politics is headed in the post-Trump Biden presidency era. Today's episode will be covering the future of the Democratic Party. Now, as I said last week in my Republican Party episode, I said that it's unrealistic for me to talk about the entire Democratic Party's future because of the massive size of both political parties. So instead, I'm going to talk about up-and-coming leaders in the party who are defining the party's platform and shaping the next generation of Democrats. Now, I don't think any of these people are going to run in 2024 because President Biden has made it clear that he and Vice President Harris are going to run for re-election in 24. So that also means that President Biden is not going to be on today's list since he's already the leader of the Democratic Party. Now let's get on to it. So look, the Democratic Party is going to have to look at their next presidential election prospects in a different way from their Republican counterparts. Instead of trying to find a successor for their leader, Democrats are going to need to find a uniter for their party. Of all the disagreements in the GOP, the one thing that all of them can say, or at least most of them, is that they will without question throw their support behind Donald Trump. Not that Democrats need a Trump-like figure leading their party, but they need someone who can single-handedly run the party in a manner that unites everyone in it. They are confused in terms of that matter, and they literally have no idea what their path of, what the path of their party is going down. And it makes sense because in in the 2020 election, millions of people voted. Most voter turnout in U.S. history, I believe, in terms of just sheer numbers. And millions of people on the left uh, voted for Joe Biden, but several people on the right also did so, too. This time we saw all kinds of groups voting for Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And most of the time, usually voter trends give a better idea of how things are shaping up to be for the next election. But in 2020, so many groups crisscrossed around voting for Biden and Trump who would never go for either candidate in a normal election year, which is why it's so hard to put our finger on where things truly stand. The party is divided on something I like to call the signature Democratic Party internal issue, which is progressive vote versus moderate. If the Democrats choose to follow the progressive path, it might end up alienating a lot of moderate and swing voters who make up large voter groups in crucial states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and now new entries like Arizona and Georgia. This was something that Joe Biden risked when he was pursuing a more progressive-based campaign. But on the other hand, if Democrats pursue center-left politics or even cent- or, you know, like centrism politics, then they risk losing their progressive voters. This is a move that proved to be fatal for Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign. 
lower voter turnout, division, and a lack of a clear path are all nightmares for the Democrats. So they need a leader who can unite the party under the same banner. Now, some of the people on this list do not reflect those values at all, but they have made a name for themselves and can be future leaders of this party leading different factions of it. But this list is made up of moderates and progressives alike, whose names I think we're going to see far more often in the near future. Now, a quick disclaimer, the people on this list and their political views are not in conjunction with mine necessarily. I formulated this list from a neutral standpoint and have looked at the numbers, policies, and past to inform my decisions on who to put on this list. Now, without further ado, let's get onto the list. Governor Gavin Newsom of the state of California is a part of the COVID-19 class of 2020 governors and joins a couple other Democrat governors on this list as one of the most well-known Democrat governors in the country. Newsom saw a pretty normal American politician rise to power. He was first the mayor of San Francisco, became lieutenant governor of California, and then came to his current job as governor in 2018. Newsom comes from a pretty blue state, which doesn't give him a particular electoral advantage, but he does have a fundraising edge over most of his potential opponents because California is a very deep pocket donor state. Like You can get a lot of money out of California. Now, while Newsom hasn't publicly commented on the possibility of a presidential run, he will very likely need to scrap any of those plans for the time being due to the recall election he's facing there. Following multiple scandals, including Newsom violating his own COVID-19 prevention protocols, many Republican voters in his state petitioned for a recall election against him. A recall election, as the name implies, is an election recalling an office holder from their job. This is a major scandal for Gavin Newsom, and while I do expect him to win the recall election in September, it will still leave a mark. Another issue that Newsom may face is that he may need to actually step aside if Vice President Harris, a fellow Californian and a close friend, decides to run for the top job herself. Although Newsom's plans for the presidency aren't exactly clear, I'm not sure he's actively thinking about it right now. But he is a guy that we should all be watching because he can go a lot of places from governor of California. Governor Andy Beshear of the state of Kentucky is a name that not many people recognize, but is someone who has a lot of potential ahead of him. Beshear, like Newsom, also saw a pretty normal political rise. He became attorney general of Kentucky in 2015 and then governor in 2019. While it doesn't seem like a lot of experience or a long time in politics, I want you to recall the state that I mentioned Mr. Beshear is from, Kentucky. While Bashir has only run in two statewide elections his entire career, he's won both of them in the state of Kentucky as a Democrat. For my friends who don't realize what that means, let me explain. In 2020, Senator Mitch McConnell, who is from Kentucky, won his Senate re-election bid with 57.8% of the vote, despite having an opponent who had $100 million in funding. Former President Donald Trump won this state with 62% of the vote. What I mean to say is that if you're a Democrat in Kentucky, your chances of ever winning are very slim. But to win two statewide elections as a Democrat, very big deal. 
And yes, Bashir is the son of a former governor. But still, in this political climate, those kinds of victories are not dismissible. Bashir is definitely going to run as a moderate if he chooses to run for president. Being from a conservative state, I would probably actually rate his political position similar to those of Joe Manchin of neighboring West Virginia or Kirsten Sinema from Arizona, two of the most conservative Democrats in the Senate. But he's not all that far from this, uh, from in, in the center. He supports many Democrat signature issues like fighting climate change, the Affordable Care Act, and during COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic, he declared a state of emergency and he took a lot of measures to mitigate the spread of the virus in the state, unlike many other states in the region. Before President Biden announced that he would pick a woman to be his vice president, many Democrats actually believed that Bashir uh, was a prime candidate for VP at the time, matching the likes of Kamala Harris, Gretchen Whitmer, and Andrew Cuomo. Bashir's victories in Kentucky indicate a capability of winning in swing states and in conservative ones too. If not president, I would definitely watch him for Senate, a cabinet position, or even the next Democrat VP candidate. Governor Gretchen Whitmer completes my list of the Democratic trifecta of governors on this list who have the best shot at running for president in the future. Whitmer's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic in her home state of Michigan has been less popular than her other governor colleagues, I'd say because of how divided her state is. Michigan has, in fact, in the last few years, come out to be far more politically divided than most states I've seen. And I think Whitmer's governorship has become a victim of that division. Unrelenting criticism of her handling have dominated her press coverage with too many restrictions uh, being criticized from the Republican side and too few from the Democrats. She was also the center of a kidnapping plot against her and other all kinds of issues that she's faced. Yet somehow, despite all the problems she's faced in her tenure, Whitmer's also been able to appeal to millions of Americans across the country and Michiganders alike. She first gained national attention in 2018 when she won the governorship of Michigan by a 10% margin. Mind you that only two years prior, Hillary Clinton lost this state by less than a percentage point. If you listen to other episodes of this show, then you know that one thing I admire about any politician, Republican or Democrat in America, is when they are selected to deliver the official rebuttal to a president's State of the Union address. And in 2020, Whitmer was given that opportunity. A validating selection that kind of showed that she was seen as a rising star by party leaders. She joins people like Marco Rubio, Joe Biden himself, and Nikki Haley, among others. In 2020, Whitmer was actually also very closely considered by the Joe Biden campaign to be Joe Biden's running mate. And she was actually on the final shortlist on the last day of consideration for the job, joining people like Kamala Harris, Susan Rice, Tammy Duckworth, Val Demings, and Elizabeth Warren. This gave her a lot of credibility. And, and as I have explained before, this really helped boost her national profile, as was the intention of the Biden campaign. Whitmer is widely admired by her party for her moderate politics and has and being from a Rust Belt swing state in Michigan, she, it gives her an electoral edge in all the in the all important swing state and region. Whitmer has also been seen as a candidate for U.S. Senate and a cabinet position, another leg up for a presidential campaign. 
Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, better known as AOC, has seen her stardom in American politics rise faster than arguably any other Democratic politician in recent memory during her tenure as a congresswoman. She's a self-described democratic socialist and has introduced liberal policies like the Green New Deal and supports other measures like Medicare for All and a liberal wealth tax on richer Americans. A resident of the Bronx, she started her working life as a bartender and waitress to support her mother to fight a foreclosure of their home. And she later went on to work in the Bernie Sanders campaign for president in 2016. In 2017, she announced her intention to launch a primary challenge against incumbent New York 14th District Congressman Joe Crowley, who was also the fourth most powerful Democrat in the House of Representatives. While her campaign was initially seen as a joke and a long shot, she quickly beat most people's expectations and shocked the entire Democratic Party when she beat Crowley in the primary, with a whopping 57% of the vote unseating him despite solely relying on donations from average people and being outspent 18 to 1. It was after this moment that most people really took notice of Ocasio-Cortez, and her victory was probably one of the more recent validations of democratic socialism in the Democratic Party. In her time in the House, she has been an outspoken member of Congress on many issues, like the ones mentioned earlier. And in addition to that, she's criticized many mainstream Democrats like Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Joe Manchin, Nancy Pelosi, etc. for not being left-leaning enough in their policy positions and has sparred with other establishment Democrats as the de facto leader of the squad, a group of left-wing politicians in the House. This includes people like Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, and others. Representative Ocasio-Cortez has not shown a lot of interest in a presidential run yet, saying, quote, I think it's part of our cultural understanding of politics where if you think someone is great, you automatically think they should be president. I joke. I'm like, is Congress not good enough? End quote. Even though she has indicated that she doesn't want to run for president, it's important to watch her career in government for cabinet positions, a Senate run, and New York state politics. Okay, so that's halfway through my list. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this short, short break. While many Americans list experience as their top criteria for any presidential candidate, former South Bend, Indiana mayor and incumbent secretary of transportation, Pete Buttigieg, had very little in that aspect when he was running for president in 2020. Most Americans know Buttigieg for his presidential campaign from 2020 as someone whose fame shot up instantly as a small-town mayor running for the highest office in the land, joining the top tier of candidates at one point with people like Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, and Elizabeth Warren. Now, being one of the youngest people on this list like AOC, Buttigieg has an appeal that many politicians try to emulate older politicians but fail to do so. In addition to that, his moderate politics did him a service when he won the Iowa caucuses back in February of last year and second place and come in second place in New Hampshire just a week later. His victories and charisma have been compared to other famous politicians like former President Barack Obama and former President JFK. Of all the people that ran against him in 2020, 
Biden only selected two of his rivals, Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg, to his administration. And while there were some political and logistical obstacles that prevented Biden from selecting more, it's still a pretty big deal to be a former rival turned, you know, colleague or um, working in the administration of somebody you ran a presidential campaign against. After being confirmed as Secretary of Transportation, Buttigieg also became the first openly gay cabinet secretary in U.S. history. In addition to that, he was also the top contender for vice president before Biden announced that he would pick a woman as his running mate. So many people were rallying around Biden to pick Buttigieg. Now, one thing to note is that Buttigieg is still very young, like AOC, and has a long career in politics ahead of him, I'm sure, for positions like governor of his home state of Indiana, a cabinet seat promotion, maybe to a higher level on the National Security Council, maybe, or the VP selection for a future Democratic nominee. Stacey Abrams is another Democrat whose political stardom shot up in a very short matter of time. She gained national prominence for her unsuccessful bid to be the governor of Georgia, a campaign which many Americans paid close close attention to in the 2018 midterms, as it became one of the closest elections of the season. Abrams came within 50,000 votes of winning the governorship, but maintains the viewpoint that the election was conducted unfairly because her opponent, Brian Kemp, who is the current incumbent governor, was the incumbent secretary of state of Georgia at the time, responsible for counting the votes. Before her governor bid, she was the minority leader in the Georgia House of Representatives and, interestingly, has also been a very successful romance novel author. But since her election loss in 2018, Abrams has become a vocal advocate for expanding voter rights and founded Fair Fight Action, an organization aimed at fighting the issue of voter suppression in her home state of Georgia and across the nation. While there was a lot of speculation, like for Beto O'Rourke and other 2018 stars, uh, if you want to call them that, from both the right and the left, to run in 2020, Abrams chose not to run for president, citing her focus on fighting voter suppression. She wasn't reported to have been closely considered to be Joe Biden's running mate back in 2020, but had openly stated her interest in running for the job, which, we, as we all know, ended up going to Kamala Harris. Georgia, a traditional Republican stronghold, managed to become one of the closest states in the 2020 election but and ended up sending Democrats Biden and Harris to the White House and John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock to the Senate. And many re- Democrats credit Stacey Abrams' voter registration efforts and her 2018 governor bid for these victories. Another validation of her rising star status was when she delivered the official Democrat rebuttal to Donald Trump's State of the Union address in 2019. Now, even if Abrams decides not to run in 2024, look out for a potential rematch between Brian Kemp and Abrams for the governorship of Georgia in 2022, because right now there are many reports circulating that it may happen. There was a name I mentioned under every profile on this list today who was other than the person I was actually talking about. And that person is incumbent vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris. Other than Pete Buttigieg, Harris is the only person on this list to have run a national campaign and, in fact, the only one to run a successful one for vice president. Harris started her career as district attorney of San Francisco, 
then became the Attorney General of California and was later elected to become the U.S. Senator for her home state. Her name recognition increase was something that not many people on either side of the political spectrum are able to get. She was a constant subject on Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, and all the other networks for a long time and famously ran for president in 2019. She was seen as a frontrunner in the beginning and came as close as second place for the Democratic nomination after she criticized Joe Biden for his position on busing in the 60s and 70s in the first Democratic primary debate. After abysmal numbers towards the end of the year, Harris shocked many Democrats when she suspended her campaign for president. Literally after that moment, Harris jumped to the top of the list for VP candidates for Joe Biden to pick. And I remember reading all those prediction lists and every single time they did change. But the only constant was Kamala Harris in first place. So it wasn't a surprise for many Democrats when she announced she was announced as Joe Biden's running mate in August of last year. After their victory later that November, Harris became the first female, black and Asian vice president to be elected in U.S. history. Now, many have already concluded that if Biden doesn't win re-election or should he complete his two terms in office by 2028, Harris will probably become the automatic frontrunner to succeed him. Which is true. Many are poised to believe this because Biden has frequently said that he is the, quote, bridge to the next generation of the Democratic Party. Now, what does that mean? A bridge to what? He is a bridge from the previous generation to the next. He wants to connect the two and, you know, pass the torch to somebody else. Now, who would you look at? Naturally, the first person everyone would look at is the vice president the only person to see the presidency as close as one possibly could. This speculation currently exists for Mike Pence, and it did in 2016 and 2020 for Joe Biden. Logically, the one second in line is also the one who is best suited for the job, and I wouldn't be surprised if those close to Harris are already you know, considering these future plans. Of all the people on my list today, everyone will be watching VP Harris for her future in the Democratic Party and the next Democratic presidential primary. That's who I have on my list as of right now, and that completes the first installment of the Future of American Politics series. I think as time goes on, multiple installments will come, and the status of people on this list, elections, and the news cycle are all definitely going to change. And like I said in last week's episode, I haven't included many prominent people on these lists. So I will definitely return with this list with new people in the future if you guys continue to show your interest and support for it. That's all for today, folks. Stay tuned for Tuesday's episode of The Ishan Ash Show. Follow our Instagram and Twitter with our handle at The Ishan Ash Show for breaking news posts and updates about the show. Please continue to support the show by sharing this episode and the rest with others and sharing our social medias. It helps us out a lot. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you all on Tuesday. Bye now.